Good morning, I'm Pastor Allen. Hopefully I greeted most of you as you came in. Uh, we're in a series called Follow. In fact, it's one of my favorite. We've done this one before. And we're in week four, and the title is Follow Where, and that'll make sense, hopefully, <laughs> in a few minutes. Uh, in this series, we're saying, hey, what if you didn't know anything about Christianity, this God thing, uh, following Jesus, what would it entail? Where would you start? Starting with a blank slate. And we looked at week one about, well, everybody who started following Jesus were unbelievers and they didn't change their, their, their behavior. Uh, they just started following. And those things happen uh, later on. So if you don't believe or if you uh, have some ungodly behavior, you're qualified to be a Jesus follower. Um, last week we talked about and if you want to check these uh, out, they're on our website and on Facebook. Uh, last week we talked about a really important question. If you're following, where is Jesus leading you? If you're following anybody, you'd like to know where what your destination is. And so we talked about that and we came up with this destination. And it wasn't what we probably would expect. The destination is faith that overwhelms fear. Uh, it's not, you get to go to heaven when you die, even though you do get to go to heaven when you die. Uh, but that's not Jesus, what Jesus was trying to accomplish in you and I and other followers. It wasn't that uh, you would change your behavior, even though you would change your behavior. You'd become a better person, better parent, better employee, better citizen. Uh, that will happen if you become a Jesus follower, but that's not the goal. It's kind of a byproduct. And it's certainly that you won't have a pain-free life. Uh, you can just look at other Jesus followers and see their lives aren't, pain, lives aren't pain-free. So that's not the destination. The destination is faith that overwhelms fear, that overwhelms worry, that overwhelms anxiety. That, and I, you know, as I said last week, I'm not there yet. And uh, if you're, you're farther along than I am, that's great. So that was last week. So we're going to ask you a different question today. This is one that you're all excited about, I'm sure. And this is the question. What should Jesus' followers wear? All you uh, fashion-conscious people. If I'm a Jesus follower, is there a certain dress code? Am I supposed to wear a certain thing? Now, you can determine who people are following by what they wear. So we're going to do a little quiz. And John, this first one's for you. All right? Who do they follow? John and Cheryl have actually been to Blambeau Field and I was on their bucket list. All right, so that's a cheese head. They follow the Green Bay Packers, all right? Next one's for me, <laughs> all right, since I get to do these. All right, who, who do they follow? That's the Terps, Maryland Terrapins. They won yesterday, beat Minnesota. That's my, I'm an alumnus. I graduated from there, and uh, they're not always very good, but if they're, you're a fan, you follow, right? All right, next one's a little harder. All right, who do they follow? Brazil, it's basically the soccer team, right? They're very passionate about soccer down in Brazil, and that's uh, Brazilian soccer fans. So sports is kind of easy. Sometimes the jersey has the name on it, but everybody has a logo. You can tell who follows what team by uh, the clothes or colors they wear. All right, same true in religion. All right, so we'll... Tell me who these folks follow. What religion do they follow? All right, what religion does she follow? 
He's a Muslim, right? She follows Mohammed, uh, Islam. All right? Because you can tell that by the way she's dressed. All right, how about the next one? Who does this guy follow? Buddha, right? He's probably a Buddhist priest. All right, he follows Buddha. We can tell that by the way they're dressed. Okay, so back to our question. What do Jesus followers wear? And I'm going to give you a couple options. All right, here's the first option. Christian tea. I have one on. My wife just bought me this one. This is the first time I've worn it. All right. Uh, this is an option. Jesus calling, accept or decline. All right. Uh, now, if a person has his T-shirt on, is that a guarantee that they're a Jesus follower? No. All right. So they can have it on and not be a Jesus follower. It's a pretty cool shirt. All right. How about this one? This one's a really popular one. Okay. If you wear a cross jewelry, does that signify that you're a Jesus follower? Maybe, maybe not, but lots of people, it's just a nice jewelry to wear. Right, so, we're going to discover, actually somebody wrote a part of the Bible, Paul actually, telling us what Jesus or follow where is. Now, Paul is a, uh, uh, not just an unbeliever, he was a radically, radical unbeliever. He persecuted the church. He had Christians uh, uh, arrested. He was trying to stamp out this thing we call Christianity. He had this dramatic encounter with God. And then he became even more enthusiastic about being a Jesus follower. And he went around uh, to mostly Gentile, we call Gentile, people that weren't Jewish, and told them about Jesus. And he started churches and places now like Turkey and Greece, uh, those parts of the Mediterranean. And then he would coach them. He would stay for a while. Sometimes he'd come back and visit. But then he would write them letters. And so we have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John about Jesus. Then we have the book of Acts, which is about the early church. We find out about Paul. And then most of the rest of the New Testament are, are these letters that Paul coached these churches. Now, Paul did not know Jesus. He never saw Jesus. But he did hang out with the disciples, like Peter and his other disciples. So he didn't hang out with Jesus, but he hung out with the followers of Jesus. And he took the teachings of Jesus, and he tried to make them practical, especially for people that weren't Jewish. And so that's what, what's in a lot of these we call letters in the New Testament. And I think that's why a lot of us like those parts of the Bible, because they help us understand or or make practical what Jesus taught in what we call the Gospels. <clears throat> so, first we're going to look at something Jesus said just before he, he was crucified. Um, he's got his disciples together. It's his last night when they're together. And he's t- doing his final teaching, you would say. And he tells them, you can't follow. You can't go where I'm going. So for three plus years they've been following. And all of a sudden he says, can't follow me this next step. And uh, so he said, I've taught you a lot of things. If you don't remember everything I taught you, I want you to remember this one thing. And so we're going to read it in John chapter 13, verse 34. So now I'm giving you a new commandment, which is kind of strange because it wasn't anything new. It was out of the Old Testament, their Bible. Uh, I believe in Leviticus, among other places. To love each other. Well, Jesus, we've heard that before. We've even heard that since we grew up in, in the synagogue. So then he gives it a twist, if you will, which makes it new. He says, just as I, Jesus, have loved you, 
You should love each other. So you take your cue from me. So Matthew, when you're this despicable tax collector, uh, the scum of the earth, uh, the bottom of the total pole of society, and I came and called you to come follow me, I accepted you, I didn't reject you, you are to do that to other people. You take your cue from me. And then he said this really interesting thing. He said, this love, if you love like I love you, this love for one another will prove to the world, that means people that aren't followers, that you're my disciples or my followers. Now, he could have said lots of things. You know, we think, oh, people out there know that, that I'm a Jesus follower because at 11 o'clock on Sunday morning, I come to these, one of these buildings with a steeple on top. Then is that what Jesus said was your proof? Uh, we don't carry Bibles around much anymore because we got them on our phones, but, uh, you know, if you carry a Bible around, Deb tells me a story about this girl that went, she went to high school with that carried a Bible to church, I mean, to school, all right? Does that prove that you're a Jesus follower? Well, Jesus didn't say that. That was the proof. Um, So what was the proof? Well, he said this love, this extraordinary love, this this, uh, supernatural love is going to be the proof. And not because you act differently or dress differently or go to this building or anything else. He said the proof the unbelievers that you're a believer, a Jesus follower, is your love for one another. Now, we talk about love. Well, first and foremost, this is really hard to do, right? And we're going to talk about how sometimes we dumb it down. When we talk about love, it's love is not a feeling. That's what our society teaches. And I was studying this week. The Greeks had eight words for, for, for love, eight words. Uh, that we would use love this, love this, love this. They had eight words. The New Testament has at least four of those. And you're pretty familiar with probably. One is, is fam- love of your family, like my love for my kids. He said, but that's not the one I'm talking about here. And then there's the love of your friends. And Philadelphia is a, the city of brotherly love. It's named after that Greek word. Uh, it's love for friends. Then you have eros, which is sexual love. He said, that's not the one I'm talking about. And then most of you know that that Greek word is agape. That's God's love. That's unconditional love. That's, that's love, uh, what's doing what's best for the other person. It's not uh, selfish. The other loves are often selfish. So he says, this is going to be the proof that you're my disciples. So he just told his disciples that I'm going away and you can't go where I'm going. And this is the most important thing. Then Peter speaks up first, like he usually did. And it's not a question about, okay, explain us more about this love thing. What's the question? Back to that Jesus following thing? You told us we can't go. Where are you going? That we can't go. So he's just kind of blew off the most important thing. Because he's focused on this uh, follow thing. And Jesus said, well, you can't follow me now, but you will follow me later. And then Peter says, I would die for you. And then he has this, this famous thing where Jesus says to him, uh, Peter... In a couple hours, you're going to deny me three times. But this is the main thing. And just like us, often we get distracted from the main thing. And we make religion about rules instead of relationships. So that's what I, next thing on your outline. The gravitational pull, not just of Christianity, but all religions, is always toward rule keeping rather than relationship building. And why is that? It's because that is something I can control. 
I can control that. I can say, okay, if I'm a good Christian, I get up and read my Bible and pray first thing in the morning. I can control that. Um, Sundays, I go to church. I can control that. I put some money in the offering plate. I can control that. So the gravitational pull of all religions is toward those rule-keeping because then we have this kind of checklist. Well, I'm doing this, doing this, so God's got to be happy with me. And even when we mess up, we got that, you know, confess your sins and he's faithful and just to forgive your sins. So that takes care of that. And so I can mistreat people. I don't have to, you know, love people because I've read my Bible, I go to church, and I confess my sins. So we create this religion of rules, and Jesus says, wait, 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 wait. The most important thing is, the proof is, what? The way you treat people. Now, I want to apologize to some of you, because some of you have been mistreated in the name of Jesus, haven't you? Somebody's used a Bible verse on you and said, uh, uh, shame on you, you're doing, not doing this, or you're not doing this, and, and you shouldn't. And so I'm going to reject you because of your lifestyle or some life choice you've made. And Jesus said, no, 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 no. You cannot use my name to mistreat people. Relationship building is the most important thing. You are to love people like I love you. It's easy to to confuse this. I put on your outline. To confuse disciplines with discipleship. And they seem to be... um, from the same word, they are. Now, disciple means follower. But the disciplines of following, we just talked about reading your Bible, praying, going to church, all those different things. We confuse that with discipleship. Have you ever met somebody who goes to church all the time and they're just mean, nasty people? Take your head. We all met some of those people, right? Because they've confused discipline Going to church, reading the Bible. You ever met these people who can recite the Bible like backwards and forwards? I can't do that. It impresses me. But sometimes they're mean, nasty people. So what's happened? Well, again, they've confused discipline with discipleship. And again, why? Because this rule-keeping I can control. And I can build this system where I feel good about my, my relationship with God. And God says, your relationship with me is not good unless this relationship is good. So with that background, we're going to look at the thing that Paul wrote about follower, we're calling follower. Now, Paul wrote like 20, 25 years after Jesus. So it wasn't 100 years later where he could just make this stuff up. Like I said, he rubbed shoulders with Peter and some of the other disciples. And so he knew it wasn't just made up stuff. And he gave us, what's the word I want, some specifics about, in this case, how to be a Jesus follower or how to love People like God loves us. So this is in the letter he wrote uh, to the Colossians. So we call it Colossians. And this is in chapter 3. He says, since God chose you to be holy people, he loves. So these are people who are committed to being Jesus followers. He says, you must, not optional, you must clothe yourself. Some translation says put on. So, other places, he says, putting off something. So it's just not adding something. Let me give you an illustration. Uh, when you got up this morning, you took off your PJs to put on your clothing to come to church, right? You didn't put them on over top, I don't think. Anybody got their PJs underneath? I, I don't know. But you put off something to put something else on. So basically, he said, put off that old way, your old nature, your old attitudes, your old thoughts, okay? You put those off. And here's what you're supposed to put on 
Or he uses this analogy, which is easy for us to understand, to clothe yourself. And so I put on different pieces of clothing this morning, and so did you. So he's going to give us a list of pieces of clothing, so to speak. So, you and I must clothe ourselves with what? First, tender-hearted mercy. Now, this is kind of this idea of loving you with all my heart. But, the, but uh, Jewish folks would say it this way, I love you with all my guts. And when you think about it, it makes more sense. The feeling is more down here than it is up here, right? Another word, another transla- some translations use the word here, compassion. So we're going to kind of flip back and forth on your outlines, or you can just follow on the screen. I'm going to give you a short definition of each of these. So compassion is feeling what others are going through. You ever have your heart break? Um, one of our church members or brother's house got destroyed in the hurricane in North Carolina. And when you see pictures of it, your heart breaks. You can imagine that, you know, what that would happen if your house, the roof was torn off and everything got flooded. Right? That's heartbreaking, compassionate. Now, I was uh, uh, been going to Lowe's a lot. I'm helping remodel my mother-in-law's house. And every time I'd leave, right on the corner, there was this person standing with a sign that says, homeless, anything will help. And so the first time I just went by, the second time I just went by, but one time, I'm stopped right next to him. Sometimes you're back, Father, and you can just kind of ignore him. I'm parked right next to him. And this time, there's a lady there with him. So I pull out my wallet, get some money, and say, here. And they, they were very appreciative. But my heart was breaking for them because I have a home. Now, what happens with us sometimes? Now, I know. I, we make excuses, right? Well, you're just going to spend it on drugs. You're going to spend it on alcohol. I don't know what you're going to spend it on. <laughs> I just had to help. Um, and it's regardless. You know, I, the, the, he looked able-bodied. You know, why don't you go out and get a job, right? Uh, I understand that. And, you know, I went by lots of times and only helped him once. But it's regardless. And when we see people, our heart, you know, it's regardless. Well, they should have known better. Well, yeah, we all should have known better. Well, you could have planned. Well, yeah, we could have planned. But they didn't, and this is the situation now. And so the first piece of clothing or follower that we should put on is compassion for people without this regardless or without making excuses. Next piece of clothing. Kindness. Kindness. And what definition we got for kindness? Loaning my strength to someone else. So someone's carrying a heavy package and they're really struggling with that and I come alongside and say, hey, let me help you carry that. Uh, They can manage on their own. I didn't have to do that, but the kind thing to do is help somebody uh, carry their load. So you loan them your strength. And that's a physical example, but we do it with emotion, emotionally also. Uh, my wife's stepdad just died a couple weeks ago and going through the grieving process. And so we have these memorial services, and part of that is to what? Loan our strength to folks that are grieving. So that's kindness and that's part of the clothing that a Jesus follower would wear so I've got compassion I've got kindness the third one this is a toughie <laughs> next part of, of follower is humility humility and what's the definition we are using for this viewing myself accurately so seeing myself the way other people see me seeing myself the way God sees me 
And we're talking about this in relationship. We're not talking about it in isolation. Uh, seeing myself accurately. The problem with humility is when you think you're humble, you're proud of your, your humility and you're not humble anymore. Uh, but it's just seeing myself honestly. And if I see myself honestly, I'm no better than you. I may have more money than you. I may be more intelligent than you. I may have more opportunities than you, etc. Or vice versa. You may have more money than me or more intelligence than me, more skills than me, more gifted than me. I can't sing. Some of you can sing, etc. Right? Humility is seeing us all the same. We're all equal. And what makes you special and what makes me special exactly the same, that Jesus loves you enough to die for you. So we're all equal. And that's humility. So I am never supposed to approach any relationship and say, I'm better than this person. I'm better than this person who's staying in the corner that's homeless because he won't work. Humility say no. We're all God's creation. What's the next part of clothing or Follower, gentleness, gentleness. We kind of understand this word, I think. What's the definition? Yes, adjusting to the level of the other person. Some of you are teachers with little ones, all right? You don't treat them like other adults, do you? So when you hang out in the teacher's lounge, it's a little bit different than when you're in your classroom with those little ones, right? You adjust the level to the other person. You use different words, uh, your different actions, etc. If I'm playing sports with one of my little grandkids, I don't use all my strength and just run them over. I adjust the level to the other person. Well, again, we do this emotionally and relationally as well as physically. So when I'm talking to a person that's not a Jesus follower, I don't use churchy words. All right? I adjust the level to the other person. That's gentleness. I don't speak down to them. I just speak in a way that they will understand or we can communicate. Um, what we're saying is the relationship is more important. So I'm going to treat you with gentleness. I think we understand that one pretty well. Next one's a toughie one for me. Uh, patience. One of the clothes I need to put on is patience. What definition are we using this? Going the speed of the other person. Give you a, I had to confess something to my wife in the first service this morning. I'm remodeling uh, my mother-in-law's house, and we sent, I sent my wife after doorknobs. She wanted to change the doorknobs. Five doorknobs for bathrooms and bedrooms. So I said, doorknobs, you can lock. Come back with five of the wrong doorknobs. Okay, they had keys, and one of them was a closet, four keyed ones and one closet doorknob. None of them were the right ones, okay? And so, not being the patient person I should be, I said, the ones that you can lock and you can unlock with a, you know, a special little gizmo from the outside, like we have at our house. And my wife is saying, whoa, 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 wait a minute, I'm going to write this down. So she starts writing it down, I have to explain everything down to her. All right. Somebody asked me if she got the right ones. I don't know. She, she got them, and I haven't seen them yet. But anyway, I have a tendency not to be patient. She didn't understand something I just took second nature to me, right? And we, we do this a lot. And when I get in store lines, I, I try and get in the shortest line. And God teaches me patience because it's usually the slowest line, even though it's the shortest line. I don't know. God just kind of do that, does that for me. But patience going the speed of the other person. And again, that means emotionally. That means spiritually. You know, I've got a neighbor I've been witnessing to for over 10 years. You know, and I've shared with you some people I've tried to push. And then I've lost that relationship. You've got to go the speed of the other person. That's patience. Big part 
of follower. Now, all these things are decisions we have to make. I have to decide if I'm going to be patient. I have to decide if I'm going to be gentle. I have to decide if I'm going to be compassionate. And then the next couple of lines, he kind of uses some summary qualities or statements. And the next one is a pretty familiar one. Jesus used a lot. He said, make allowances for each other's faults. We all have faults, so I'm supposed to make allowances for yours and yours for me. He says, forgive anyone who offends you. How many people is anyone? That's anyone. That's everybody, right? Forgive everybody who offends you. It doesn't say if they ask for it, does it? Just forgive everybody. Remember the Lord. Why should I do that? Well, remember the, the Lord forgave you, so you must, not optional, you must forgive others. So one thing that you and I should be known for, people that aren't Jesus followers should say, I know you're a Jesus follower because you just forgive. Now, most of us can't say that maybe that's <laughs> the way we come across so I put this definition as forgiving just as Jesus forgave us. So how, does, how did Jesus forgive you? Completely, totally, unconditionally, right? So if I'm supposed to be a Jesus follower, I'm supposed to forgive you <laughs> completely, totally, unconditionally. And if you're one of these people that struggle with forgiving people, and I have them over my lifetime, just remember all the broken promises you made to God. Oh, God, I'm going to get up more, uh, tomorrow morning early and read my Bible and pray. Then you stay up late and you're too tired and you push the snooze button a couple times and you don't do it. Or I got this bad habit, God, I'm going to stop it. I'm not going to do it anymore. And then you do it, right? How many times have you broken a promise to God? Has God changed his forgiveness for you? Has it changed? No, it hasn't changed. Unconditional. Maybe that'll help you. Now, I, this is difficult. I understand that. And then he ends, or next part, he goes to this most important thing that Jesus talked about, remember? He says, above all, most importantly, clothe yourself with love. This is kind of the overcoat or the umbrella over all this, which binds us all together in perfect harmony or unity, not uniformity. We're not all alike. We can agree to disagree, but there's supposed to be this perfect or supernatural or profound unity that we have. And one of the things people out there look at the church, they don't see unity, do they? And this is one of the most important things for you and I to have as a Jesus follower. And I just put for love is being and doing all the above. <laughs> Compassion, gentleness, humility, etc. Now, can you be a gentle person without love? Or can you be a forgiving person without love? Sure you can. I'm going to forgive you. You don't deserve it, but I forgive you. Uh, I'll help you with that, but you were stupid to get in that situation in the first place. So you can have these qualities without love and they're distorted and they're not helpful. So that he says, you gotta, love's got to be the overcoat. Love's got to over, over, be over all, all these qualities. Now, when I look at that list and I think, is this possible? Well, it's not, certainly not natural, is it? And I'm certainly not there yet. 
So what I would suggest to you, at least daily, maybe when you put your clothes on, that's as a reminder, say, God help me to be a compassionate person today. And then I put my pants on. God help me be a a humble person today. And then I put my socks on. God help me be a gentle person today. And God help me be a forgiving person today. And then when you put your coat on, say, God help me be a loving person today. And if you're a Jesus follower, this is not optional. This is a command. And then he ends with this interesting statement. All right, where we're going to end anyway. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. That word rule is, a, is an athletic term. It means like the referee or the umpire. So the thing that's supposed to referee or umpire our lives is this peace. For as members of one body, you're called to live in peace and always be thankful. And the less like these qualities you and I are, the more noticeable they are when we do them. Like I said, when I'm a patient person, people notice. Because that's not normally what I am. So what are our options? And what's, unfortunately what's happened so often in the Christian church is this. And I'll state it positively about Jesus. Jesus did not come to make a point. He came to make a difference. He could have just came and taught, taught, taught this and taught that and said, okay, that's, this is the point, and left. Might not have made any difference. And some, we know we have the truth, and so sometimes we're just trying to make a point and defend the truth. By the way, you don't have to defend the truth. God, God, God can do that. But he came to make a difference. And to make a difference, what did he have to do? He had to suffer and die. So if we come to make a point, are we followers of Jesus to make a point, or are we followers of Jesus to make a difference? And again, if some of you have been abused in the name of Jesus by some Bible verse or whatever, I apologize. I'm sorry. But we should never use anything about Christianity to mistreat another person. Jesus said, first and foremost, the most important thing is to love other people like I love you. Now this last statement, my wife and I do these outlines together. This last statement my wife came up with. And I think when you see it, you'll, you'll see my wife in it. Anyway, make a fashion statement. My wife kind of makes fashion statement. But you and I need to make a fashion statement with our follow wear. Not these Christian t-shirts, which are great, I love them. But with our compassion and our gentleness and our kindness and our humility and our forgiveness and our love. Let me pray with you all. We'll have a song and let you go. Father God, thank you so much for this, well, both of these passages, the words of Jesus that have been, been uh, uh, preserved for us and then the teachings of Paul that kind of flesh it out. And God, uh, I think most of the folks are, are, are like me. These, this list is, is tough. Uh, I feel like a failure if, sometimes when I go through the list. So God, uh, for all of us, let us pray that prayer, God, clothe me, put, help me put on these qualities. And God, I know that's a prayer that you will answer. That's a prayer that honors you. And we pray for anyone here, God, especially that's been mistreated in the name of Christianity, that they would get, be able to get past that, they would forgive that person, that they would take a fresh look at, at you, Jesus. And then we also would pray that they would step across that line and say, today, like those four uh, teenagers did on Thursday, today is the day I'm going to begin to follow. I'm going to trust you, God. Thank you, God, Jesus, for being here this morning. We've felt your presence. You've spoken. 
uh, continue through your spirit to do your work in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.